chance to meet you. I'm on the teaching team here at Elevation, and it is my joy and my uh, great opportunity to be sharing with you all this morning um, in our, seri our summer series on the Psalms. Um, so the Psalms that we're going to be studying together today is Psalms 82. Do we still have the Bibles in the front and the back of the pews, or underneath the bottom of the pews? We do old school. We're going old school today. We're not, we don't have slides. We don't have a whiteboard. We're going analog. Friday, uh, on Friday morning, Steve texted me and said, are you going to do a video for your sermon? And this was, of course, when everything was down with Rogers. And I was like, well, first of all, I didn't realize we were still doing videos for sermons. And secondly, the internet's gone, so there's no, there's no video for this week. <laughs> so you got me. Okay, Psalms 82. Let's read Psalm 82 together. What's the translation of those Bibles, Steve? NRSV. Oh, okay, so this will be a little bit different. Mine's NIV. Alright, strap in. This is a really odd song, okay? <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk to you about it today because it's really cool, but it's also an odd song. So here we go. Psalm 82, a song of Asaph. God presides in a great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere men. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this space this morning and ask that you will open our hearts and our minds as we study your word together and that you will deliver to us the truth um, that you want shaping our hearts, our imaginations, and our minds. We invite you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, I um, was learning about this. I don't know if it's like a parenting theory or like a framework or something. It's called the circle of security. I'm looking at the social workers. In the Love it. Yeah, okay. And um, I really like it. Um, the idea behind the circle of security as a parent is that our children... Um, when they're feeling secure and anchored and attached, will like go out and be independent and explore, um, and they'll sort of like stretch their wings. And um, so an example of this might be, um, two weeks ago, Dwayne and I dropped off our oldest, Noel, 14, at Leaders and Training Camp. To be gone for three weeks, she's four hours away, just about an hour outside of Ottawa. And, um, it's the longest she's ever been away from our family. And I was just feeling really anxious for her. And as we were moving her into the cabin, I just wanted to like full mom mode. And I was like trying to help her unpack and trying to help her organize in this little tiny cabin space that she's gonna be sharing with eight other girls. And she's like, mom, stop. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. And she's like, you're not helping. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Let go. I'm like, how do I love you if you don't let me unpack for you? That independence, right? But the circle of security says that when our kids go out and they, they stretch their wings for a bit, then inevitably they'll come back around. 
on and get their cup filled up to get anchored back in our presence. And that reminded me of this last week. I was hanging out at the Burke's house and we were on the back deck and Noah and I were chatting. And our youngest, Nora, who is she like six now? She'd been playing after, you know, off doing her own thing and then it was time to come connect with mom and she came back in and she came back to the deck and she called up on Mel's lap and just needed a snuggle and they were chatting and she goes, am I special? So cute. I was like, yes, you're special. You're so special, right? So this is the idea of the circle of security, right? But the kids then will come back to us and need to reconnect with us, which I'm really holding on to for a while. <laughs> But the idea is that the whole circle is anchored by parents, right? By loving parents. And um, the circle of security says that our children need us as parents who are the anchor of this circle to be bigger, stronger, apologize for my handwriting, wiser, and kinder. Okay, so here's the circle of security. Oh, this is not going to be very big, but that's okay. We're going to gonna make it work. That our children need to be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kinder. And the circle of security theory says that we don't actually grow out of this. That's what we need as kids, but even as we grow, we still need that anchor spot in our lives, that, that safe place to come back to, to a presence that is bigger, stronger, wiser and kinder than ourselves. And we feel that, don't we? Even now as adults, living in this world that's been rocked by so much, um, we may feel out of equilibrium, right? We see injustice ruling um, in the Ukraine and Russia with the war in the Ukraine. We feel the disequilibrium of a world that's been thrown up with the pandemic and sort of scattered. And we feel this need, we need a, we need a loving, heavenly parent, right? That is bigger, stronger, wiser, and kinder, a place for us to land, to come back and be safe and get our cups filled up. Okay, so that, I believe, is this, is the gift that Psalms 82 gives us. Okay, this is like a really weird song, we're gonna jump into it, but if you take nothing else away from this sermon and this song, it's this. Psalm 82 is telling us that Yahweh, our God, is a powerful, loving, heavenly parent who is bigger, stronger, wiser, kinder. And we can trust this heavenly parent with our lives. And not just that, we can submit our wills to this loving, heavenly parent who is bigger, stronger, wiser, and kinder. Okay. Are you ready to unpack this weird song together? Why is it weird? Well, first of all, what does it say in the NS NSRV, in that first uh, verse where it says, God presides in the great assembly, he gives judgment among the gods? What does it say in your translation? He has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Yes, he's taken his place in the divine council. Amidst the gods, he holds his judgment. Okay. Psalms 82 is a song that invites us to read interculturally, or that is to say, it's a song that brings to our attention that every time we open up this holy text, we are reading across time and space and cultures, right? So one of the things when we, you know, hear this, this first verse, we say gods, multiple gods, wait a second, wait a second, that's not, I mean, we are a mono 
theistic religion, right? We believe in one God, Yahweh, the one God. So why is the Bible talking about multiple gods? That's really weird. Um, and this is an example of like when we're opening this song, we're actually stepping back in time into the imaginations of these early Jewish worshipers. So if we, if we transport ourselves to their time and day and age and culture, they lived in a world full of gods, didn't they? The surrounding nations worshipped many, many gods. And the rulers not only claimed to rule in the name of gods, but they claimed themselves to be gods, to be deities, right? So we think of Caesar, we think of Pharaoh, we think of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylon that made everybody bow down and worship him, which is how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in the fire, right? There are all these rulers who are acting as gods. And in, in the minds of these early Jewish worshipers, their world was full of gods, right? So in Psalm 82, we see Yahweh, and for the rest of the sermon, I'm going to talk about our God is Yahweh, because God, God, loves all of like basically the same word. <clears throat> Yahweh is shaping the imagination of his people to say, in this world where there are many powers and principalities, I am the one true king. I am the great king. And so... Psalms 82 opens with sort of a divine drama that's happening in heavenly realms, right? And so, like Steve said in that translation, there's the divine council, okay? So if you just imagine it, there's this heavenly court with all these lesser deities, these lesser divine beings, and Yahweh is sitting on the throne over and above all these other deities. Not only is Yahweh stronger and bigger, than these other deities. He is so much stronger than him. He is so much bigger than them that he has the ability to proclaim judgment over them. He can hold them accountable. Now that's power, right? That's power. You can be stronger than someone, but if you actually have the power to hold that person accountable, that is true power. And so Psalms 82 is shaping an imagination of these early Jewish worshipers, and in our imagination too, that Yahweh, our God, is bigger and stronger, right? So I'm going to just do like a little crown here. Yahweh is the one great king. And in our world, where there are lots of powers and principalities, Yahweh is bigger and stronger. Not only bigger and stronger, the biggest and the strongest, right? So then we move into the next section here of this song. So we see in our imagination that Yahweh is sitting on his throne, and it's time to proclaim judgment. So Yahweh stands up, and Yahweh's going to judge all these rulers. So early rabbinic uh, interpretation of gods would have been that these were unjust, these, these lowercase g gods were unjust rulers ruling the nations, the other nations. So now God's going to proclaim his judgment over these unjust rulers. And this is what he says. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. What do we learn here about Yahweh? We learn that not only is Yahweh bigger and stronger 
the most powerful being in all of time and space, where is Yahweh's heart? Where is Yahweh's gaze focused? The most powerful being in the universe, what does that most powerful being care about? The weak and the poor, the fatherless, the needy, the oppressed. And we need to just stop for a minute and let that train in school our imaginations. Because the truth is, as humans, what do we do when we have power? What do the rulers of the earth do when they have power? Where does our heart go? Where does our mind go? Well, it goes to protection, right? We want to protect ourselves. And we see this playing out over and over with the powers of governance and of the earth, right? There's this need to protect, to shore up the walls, to protect the power, to protect the comfort and the security. That is the broken nature of our human way and our human powers. But friends, in this community, we don't live in the imagination of earthly powers. We live having our imagination trained by Yahweh. So what does it mean for us to live in a reality where we believe in one true God, who is the most powerful being in the world, and who with that power turns and has his eye on the needy and the oppressed, the weak, the fatherless. That's pretty remarkable. It is pretty remarkable. We may take it for granted, but all we have to do is stop and look around and see how the, how the powers of this world operate. How does Putin operate? How does Elon Musk operate? How do the rich and the powerful operate, right? Our God is more powerful than all of them. And what he cares about are the oppressed. We used to have a pastor in LA who used to say, um, if you think that you are kinder than God, you've probably misinterpreted the scriptures. Because the reality is, God is kinder than us and kinder than any other being on the planet. I'm preaching too much, so I'm running out of my voice is getting dry. Um, so if you, if you have, you know, if there are church doctrines that come out of scripture, if there's interpretations of scripture, where you're like, oh, that's kind of harsh, God, I don't know if I would do that. You're probably misinterpreting the scriptures, because we are not kinder than Yahweh. And so if there's ever a place in which you're interpreting scripture and it seems like God is crueler than you or harsher than you would ever be with someone, that's an invitation to stop and study more, to pray, to seek good counsel, to go further, to go deeper. Because Psalms 82 and actually the rest of scripture tells us that not only is our God bigger and stronger, our God is kinder. Yahweh is kinder. Okay, so then in verse 5, Yahweh's standing and he's proclaiming judgment over these unjust rulers, and then he turns to us. He turns to the people who are sitting under that rule, and he talks to us and he says, They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. So lest we as humans see these earthly powers and their shininess and their allure and we start to feel tempted to put our trust in the earthly powers, we start to feel tempted 
to um, rely on them, God just stops and reminds us says that they don't, they don't actually know what they're doing. They walk around in darkness. These powers and principalities of the earth, um, they are ignorant. They don't know anything. Not only do they walk around in, in darkness, but God, Yahweh, he is the light. It's not even that like he walks around in light. Yahweh is the light. So we saw, see in Psalms 82 that our God is bigger and stronger. Oh, i got to keep up with my uh, illustrations here. Kinder. Nope, that one's not working. Okay, we'll do this one. Kinder and wiser. I'm going to do a sign here. So our God is the light, right? When we're in the presence of Yahweh, um, Ignorance scatters, darkness scatters, unknowing scatters, right? Yahweh is wiser. And then Yahweh turns back to the gods, to the rulers, to proclaim his final judgment. And it's this, he says, I said you are gods, you are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere men, you will fall like every other ruler. So earlier in the song, God, Yahweh has proclaimed his judgment and now he's acting. Now he's following through on it. He's going to depose these unjust rulers. He's so much more powerful than that um, that he's going to actually say, you're going to die. You have no future. The theologian Karl Barth says, evil has no future. I love that. Evil has no future. And what Barth is not saying in that is evil doesn't exist. We know it exists. We live in a world where we see it, right? But he's saying evil has no future. Why? Because Yahweh has proclaimed judgment over all the lesser powers and deities in this world. And he said, you are going to die. You're going to die. He's going to depose them. How has he been able to do this? Um, well, we are in Psalm 82 watching the divine drama sort of unfold. But it stands outside of space and time, right? Because we already know the judgment, the final judgment that has come against these powers. What is it? That final judgment is the person of Jesus, right? Yahweh came to be among us, Emmanuel. He died on the cross and he rose again. And because of that, power has, evil has no future. Yeah, injustice has no future. And we can live in that reality as followers of Yahweh who have given our hearts and lives and minds to Jesus. The cross anchors all of this, right? Yahweh is bigger and stronger, wiser and kinder. And because Yahweh is all of these things, he sent his son Jesus to die for us and to proclaim the final judgment on the powers of this earth and in heaven. And the final verse in Psalms invites God then, says, Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Right? So the psalmist, these early worshipers, turn to God. They see this divine drama happening in heaven. They say, Come do the same here on earth, please. Come, bring your justice here on earth, please. Because we are your inheritance. Friends, we are Yahweh's inheritance. Our hearts and our minds are Yahweh's 
him. And we talk about the powers and the principalities of this earth, but we have powers and principalities in our hearts that also need to be held accountable by Yahweh, who's bigger, stronger, wiser, kinder. To take us back to the circle of security, this is how we live in the circle of security, by being anchored by a God who is bigger, wiser, stronger, kinder, and he sent his son um, so that we can have life and life abundantly. And so our final invitation today, and my invitation to us, is um, as we get ready to go to these baptisms, to open our hearts um, to the reality that we can trust Yahweh. He is a steady, ever-present, powerful love that anchors the circle, right? And because of that, we can lean into Yahweh. We can, like Nora, climb up on Yahweh's lap and get our cup filled up, right? But we also have to be willing to submit our will, right? Trust and submit. Chelsea and Nathan are going to be getting baptized later today um, after service, and they are doing that as an outward expression of this very thing that we're talking about. They have, at their own points, given their hearts to Jesus, said, we trust you, Jesus, we're submitting our lives to you, Jesus, and we are now outwardly showing by going under the water and coming up again that we're living for you instead of for ourselves. And my invitation to you is as we watch this baptism, as we finish up and pray here, um, that you just go inward and reflect in your own heart. I'm not talking about being saved here. I'm not talking about asking Jesus into your heart. Maybe we have already done that. I'm talking about that last stand in our heart, that last bit of power in our heart that wants to hold on and feels like we need to control things and we need to hold the reins. Do you know that you can let that go and submit that to Yahweh? Because he is bigger, stronger, wiser, kinder than you. He is the ultimate power in presence. And it's not until you can let that go that you truly can live in a circle of security. So I invite you to reflect on that as we pray together, as we watch the baptism, and see if that's something you want to do. Do you want to let that final bit go and rest in the arms of our one true Yahweh who is bigger, stronger, and wiser, and kinder than us? Let's end today by praying the Lord's Prayer together because the Lord's Prayer echoes the last verse here. God, come and bring heaven to earth as you have done in heaven. Do it here on earth as you have done in heaven. Come do it in our hearts, right? Come do it in our hearts, Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, friends. God bless you this week. We'll see you out on the court.